Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Lewis Uncle again. Dave and myself are going to look forward to Leinster's match uh, against Munster in the Rainbow Cup and, of course, the other games in that uh, first round of fixtures. And we're going to look back over Ireland's uh, defeat against France in the Ladies International and maybe talk more generally about women's rugby. Uh, Dave can't make, or sorry, John can't make us make it tonight because he is... Uh, going on a tour of the Cardiff Blues Stadium at the moment. Anyway, um, so so look, the Rainbow Cup is starting. Uh, unfortunately, the South African teams had to pull out for the, presumably COVID and quarantining and all that. And you know, like it's easy for us to just throw stones. I saw, like, I was watching a podcast there with uh, on news on, on news talk off the ball, and they had uh, Rory O'Connor on. And he was, you know, quite dismissive of, you know, complaining there was no website. There was uh, very little enthusiasm for this competition, et cetera. But like, you know, there was a press release saying that they exhausted, that they worked tireless, tirelessly trying to get um, a resolution to it and they couldn't. And they were just hit by brick walls. Like there's, you know, thousands of people being affected by COVID like, it's not just an easy fix to say, oh, fly them to Dubai or play the matches in Spain or wherever. You can't just do that. So, no, I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I really should. I, I, I don't know if he. I, I doubt very much he watches this after all. No one else does. But um, Rory, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a kind of a thing out there called a global pandemic, and it's playing havoc with a lot of stuff, including sports. Maybe, maybe you should. I don't know. Read a newspaper or something. Anyway. Um, mm. At the end of the yeah, day, sure. there was no, at the end of the day, there was nothing they could do. Um, I, I disagree with him about enthusiasm. There was huge enthusiasm for it uh, in terms of the idea of a of the north south element of it of the South African teams. Now that's been kiboshed by by the pandemics, and there's nothing anyone could do about it. So it 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 it, it, it is a bit disingenuous to say that there's no no enthusiasm for it. There's no enthusiasm for it now. Well, no, that's not true. There's a the amount of enthusiasm for it has dropped off now that that the South African element isn't there. Um, but when the when the South, the announcement that South Africa is joining the Pro 16 was actually massively uh, wildly welcomed by by rugby fans in, in in this part of the world in in all of the the Celtic lands because it's it it, it it's a great salute it, it it's something that will raise the profile, raise the standard, and you know raise the viability financially. Of our competition, um, so to, to say there's no enthusiasm for it is, is is disingenuous. I mean, okay, look, we're playing Munster on Saturday for what the fifth time in less than a year. Yeah, 
I mean, that's a lot. And familiarity does breed a certain amount of content. And, you know, it, it, what day is it? Tuesday. Oh, we must play a monster. That's, that's fair enough. I can understand that. But this is what we're left with. And, and I mean, there, there, were, there were two choices. This or just pack up. Well, we and had we couldn't one, just pack up. But we had, this, we had the choice last year, this time last year. Yeah. They cancelled everything, right? Yeah. And do we want to go back to that? No. no I mean, no, you know, no, people, people need some joy in their life. They're going through, you know, tough times. It's, it's hard for, for everybody. And if you can get a little bit of distraction by watching a rugby match, a hurling match, uh, a soccer yeah. match, whatever, like that's what, you know, that kind of brings a bit of colour to our day. Like we're kind of in Groundhog Day here. So yeah, like, that, that's it. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I've seen, I mean, there were suggestions, there have been suggestions, not necessarily rugby centric, but to do with sports in general, about sports people getting vaccinated and why should they jump the queue and all that. And to a certain extent, I can understand the, 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 thinking behind it but you know we're all stuck in lockdown situation and you know there are massive concerns out there about people's mental health about you know uh, just the general sense of bleakness and ennui that's settling over everyone and the only thing as you say that brings people a little bit of joy a little bit of relief is watching sports whether it's whatever sport it is watching you know um a good drama on television you know so the idea or listen to an album so the idea that the people who are kind of keeping us going, I mean, yes, okay, the health services and, and, and health workers and all that, but the, the other people who are keeping us going, if you like, the soft power that's keeping us going is, is, is sports. It is, it is entertainment on television. It is music. So those, those things are kind of essential too. So the idea isn't, anyway, the idea isn't as ridiculous as people made, out, made it out to be. But um, yeah, absolutely. We do need some, I mean, okay, what else would we be doing on a Saturday night? Okay, we might complain about no, oh, we're playing Monster again, but at the same time, at least we have a game against Monster to look forward to. Yeah, well, at least you could be Monster, and you could be kind of go, we're playing Leinster again. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm talking about just is 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 the the, the idea of familiarity breeding boredom. Oh, absolutely. But, but I'm just saying that you know, at the at same time, if you you're not going to be as bored as if you were sitting watching fucking reruns of Ant and Deck. No, oh, absolutely. But our point is though that. Um, Poor monster fans are sitting going, "Oh shit, we've got Leinster again." Yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, I mean, <laughs> one has to admire their optimism. So they'll probably suggest they'll probably be going into this thinking, "This is our chance. We've turned yeah. the corner." Exactly. Well, but I mean, like there is kind of criticism of the organisers insofar as they did cut short the original yeah, twelve yeah. season. And look, hindsight's brilliant, you know. Yeah. Like oh, we we all kind of thought, we all hoped that we'd have this competition with the four new South African teams in and it'll be all hunky-dory and they'd come up here or we could go down there. Unfortunately, that didn't work out, but they kind of made that decision. And it's easy to kind of criticise and be the hurler on the ditch, but like they have to make that decision. And I think there's the other side of the coin. Super sports were going to pay six million quid, which essentially means each union got, got uh, two million. So... Leinster, Ulster, Munster and Connacht all got half a million, which probably works out at the, you know, paying for the salaries for all of the lads in all of the academies. Yeah. So, like, who else is going to pay for it? Because, well, a, I mean, you know, yeah, money, money is running, running quite thin on the ground in professional sports and particularly rugby because we don't have the, the pulling power that's, you know, sort of Real Madrid or 
Tottenham Hotspurs have. Um, is, is this leading up to a Super no, League? No, 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 no. Well, I'm just, I'm just, just being f- 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 facetious. But like, you know what I mean? We don't have the kind of cash that Premier League teams or Real Madrid's and Barcelona. I know they're. Look, we don't even have the kind of cash that Sheffield United have. No, you're right. You they know, can buy and sell us ten times over. Um, absolutely, like you know, so. You know, things are kind of tight. They're letting people go in the IRFU and all the rest. We all sadly know those stories. But like, so this money was needed. They had to get yeah. this competition running. And thankfully, I believe that money has been paid. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of fortunate that they, the, the South African TV company kind of coughed up because they, they probably might have had a, an opportunity to, to get out of it. And we have we have the advantage as well. Like I, I, I don't know how many people watch it. I, I don't think a lot of people in this side of the world watch it. But I love watching the Curry Cup. There's a lot of history too, isn't there? It has, yeah. So what we have now as as part of our, you know, uh, certainly okay, we're not going to be playing them, but as part of our competition is we get to see Curry Cup teams, Curry Cup games with Super Rugby teams. Yeah. So that'll that'll be quite entertaining. Yeah, it's it's look. All they can do is is their best. I mean, like you were saying, like that money that's coming in, right? Um, like all of the the provinces and the union have had to, you know, furlough staff, let staff go. And the thing is, at the end of this, when this is all over and everything kind gets back to back to normal, those people hopefully will all be taken back on. But in order for them to be taken back on, there has to be an organisation to take them back on, and that's mm-hmm. why stuff like this is so important. Because if, if, if the unions and if the branches can just keep, t- keep ticking over until we get back to, you know, fans in the ground, however it's done, whatever way, then at least there'll be something for people to get back to. Yeah, spot on. So anyway, we play Munster on Saturday. As you said, it's our fifth, our fifth uh, outing with them since we returned last, when was it, August, September? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to kind of to gauge what team we're going to put out like I was just kind of you know going through the selection process today in my mind and I'm I'm guessing like they're going to play the fellas who are just coming back in from injury so generally speaking it's not not a hard fast rule but the guys that they do put up in front of the um the press pack generally are going to play so I saw Scott Penny was wheeled out it's good to see him back like he was yeah. out for a month maybe with his hand injury so you know i'm sure fellas like him i'd say at the start of the season and where he is now i'd say he's kind of probably progressed further than he thought he was going to be down the path of his career it was interesting to hear him say in the pre- in, in his presser that he looked to sean o'brien and he was kind of saying how much he kind of trying to model his game on Sean O'Brien and that Sean had been a, a big influence on him even when they were training together, you know, when Sean played for Leinster, which is which is great to hear. I mean, it's great. I love hearing those stories that, you know, we all we all heard the other the, the opposite of that with the Mick Gall, Mick Galway and being a complete bastard to Donnick O'Callaghan when he was coming through. You know, but it's great to hear that you've got yeah. these Fellas who played for Lions, played 50 or 60 times for Ireland, won European Cups, don't need to prove anything to anyone, are willing to impart some knowledge to the younger kid coming through. I, I absolutely love hearing that. 
yeah, it, it speaks to, it speaks to the culture within the within the Leinster dressing room that you know there there are no um there I mean I I mean in, in fairness to Mick Galway Mick Galway's a nice guy he was doing it the way it was done in Munster and the way it was done to him they had a very Darwinian yeah. system yeah and so he was just playing his part for you know no doubt for because he thought that's what would be best for Dunica kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that that works, and, I'm, and certainly it wouldn't work in a Leinster context. Um, the, the way that it, the way the, the more collegiate um, system that 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 or culture that's in the Leinster dressing room seems to work better for it. And Scott Penny is is, is the latest recipient of it. And you can see it in the way he plays. I mean, like you were saying, like he was probably thinking at the at the beginning of the season, you know, you know, get a good run of, of, of Pro 14 games, maybe be involved a bit for Europe. Um, and, and and I'd be or maybe even just get considered for Europe, whereas now he'd be he'd be considered you know one of the the guys who'd be unlucky to be left out, um, and I'd say he's probably you know odds on for if if we do make that Pacific Islands tour, I'd say he'd be odds on to go. So there's an Irish cap on the on the horizon for him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I mean there's a lot of talk about what the team might be or what the team will be, or what the team should be even. Um, as ever, we 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 have no idea because. Stu and, and Leo do it their own way. I'd yeah. imagine that they'll do that. It won't be wildly different in terms of profile, although the names may be different to the team that was picked to play them the last time in that there'd be a mix of uh, older guys, guys coming back from injury and the younger guys. Yeah, but there's been some big names coming back in off injury. Like yeah. you've got Ringrose. He's meant to be there and thereabouts. Darris is coming back from his concussion. Um, James Ryan, Will Connors, um, you know, so like that's that's four pretty big names that yeah, would, would would you know be in contention for starting an Ireland game if there was one tomorrow. Um, we've like I thought it was interesting the language as well that uh, Leo Cullen was using in relation to Sexton, very much playing down his chances, and I'm sure it gave him I. It was almost as though it was. It gave Cullen a perfect out. I'm not rushing Sexton back, even if he's not fit for the semi final. We're not rushing him back. You know, we've got history of of former players who've suffered bad concussions, and you know, we, they had to end their career early. You mentioned uh, um, Kevin O'Loughlin. They mentioned um, uh, Fogarty. You know, so. Like obviously, but no pressure on Sexton, and also probably nicely kind of saying, "How can I make sure that Sexton's rested for this game without drawing too much ire for you? Never play your good players in the mm. in the local der- derbies." Or I know, I'd say Sexton's nailed on for the game against La Rochelle. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, um, it the narrative for these games is becoming. You're very familiar. You can nearly write it yourself um, in that as much as Munster reckon this is a good chance to take us. And to a certain extent, they're probably right. Um, we do have our eyes on other prizes. This is not our primary competition. It's not our secondary competition. But it could, for them, it could be it, it'd be important to get some silverware under the belts because you have to start somewhere. So they, they'll be going all guns blazing for this game. Whether those guns will be enough is questionable. Um, but they'll certainly, I'd say, pick the strongest team available to them. Well, I mean, like, if they are a club of, of integrity, we kind of know what they are, in fact, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're not. Like, they have to give their 
inverted commas, star players, the Murrays, O'Mahony's, CJ's, an opportunity to have one last hurrah to get selected for the Lions. Yeah. So they kind of owe it to, the, to those players to be, you know, so, so well and good to say, oh, give, give Casey some game time. But reality is he's not going to get on the Lions tour. Um, Murray might. Murray might. And, and like, you know, I, like I'm sure that they want to give those lads as big an opportunity to, to impress. The, because it's a tertiary the, competition. Yeah, and exactly, and you know, it's um, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's I don't know, maybe there's an onus on the clubs to kind of provide that platform to, to the players to 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 impress. Like one lad, I mean, we have to mention Benty has kind of confirmed what we all kind of sadly suspected was going to happen. But I mean, I just was looking at some of his stats. He came to the club in twenty twelve, played nine seasons with us, one hundred and fifty five caps. Surprised me when it said they scored seven tries. Can't really remember too many of them, but no doubt they were. Uh... I think he ran a grand total of seven <laughs> inches for those tries. Yeah, yeah. He got four Ireland caps as well. I mean, I thought he was very harshly treated when he yeah. when he started out. Like, you know, he was on a hiding to nothing. There's a hurley, hit a few slitters outside on the the, you know, on the pitch in down in Carton House. And by the way, you're starting against South Africa. <laughs> before you before you've even moved into your apartment or your house or whatever yeah, you know, he, joined, like, he joined at one of those Ireland every couple of years can be guaranteed to go through a tight head crisis um, happens every couple of years regular as clockwork Ireland to go through a tight head crisis and he came over to Leinster at, basically on a development contract no nothing more than that um and landed in Dublin in the middle of a tight head crisis. And there was virtually, there were, I think there were two tight heads fit in the country. Um, one started and Benty sat on the bench. Like he came on against South Africa and he, and he won that penalty um, with his first piece of, piece of play. Um, mm. So, you know, he, he didn't, he, and he wasn't ready for that level of competition at that time. Um, he wasn't brought in to play at that level of competition at that time. So he got he got kind of hung out to dry by the expectations um, when the expectations didn't really match the reality. Now over the course of the next two or three years, he 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 built himself up into that player so that by you know twenty I, I would I would have considered him unfortunate not to have been in the mix for more Ireland games in the last number of years because he's certainly been a superb I mean we've been very fortunate actually in Ireland he 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 he, he reached his, his his peak as a player at, at the opposite time as it, it, with Ireland in the opposite position to which he arrived in that we had no tight head crisis we had tight excellent tight heads coming out of our ears uh, at that mm. point and he was very unfortunate in that regard because and all in the same, sorry one John often calls him uh, the best third choice tight head in the world and you know, it, it that may may sound like you're damning him with 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 faint praise, but if you look at the two tight heads who are ahead of him again in your in, in Leinster, then you look at the quality of tight heads that are available in Europe, and he, I mean, he's operating on that level now. That it might sound like faint praise, but it is actually considerable praise. I mean, I think he's been. I mean, do you ever worry when Benty goes? It starts starts a game for us, locking down that scrum. Never never yeah. have a problem with him. He's a brilliant scrummager. And he has been brilliant for us. And I always say, 
it's not your Robbie Henshaws and it's not your James Ryans and it's not your Johnny Sexton that win Pro 14s. It's your Michael Bents and your Ross Maloney's and the young guys who are coming through and and the the, the if you like the the good club men, they're the guys who win your Pro 14s. And so we've won four protein four protein four proteins four pro fourteens in a in a, I haven't had four proteins in my life we um we've won four pro fourteens in a row and a lot of that is down to you know he 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 has a serious shoulder in each of those he does like again looking at his, his at his um metal hull that he's got he's got six pro pro twelve slash fourteens to take back to New Zealand the Heineken Cup and a and a Challenge Cup and like okay he mightn't have started in the final and you know in those in Bilbao for example but he he contributed significantly and there's a reason why Tyke Furlong and Porter are good tight head props is because they've got somebody behind them pushing them on f- mm. to get the very best out of themselves standard. yeah keeping standards up like if they knew that there was Jason Campbell was was uh, tight head behind them do you know what I mean like they know that they don't need to be on their game every day because the guy be the third choice is a bozo. So, you know, to have someone like Benty, as you 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 summed him up brilliantly there when you said he was a great club man. And you can't really ask for somebody that gives everything, is prepared to play in those minor games when the spotlight's on, when there's not fifty thousand people or, you know, it's live on BT or Sky. Like he's, you know, he's the the lad that will tug out against Ebre and against Scarlets or whatever on a wet, a wet Friday night in the RDS when it's kind of mundane. And, you know, he didn't, he certainly didn't let, um, standards, drop. let standards drop or, you know, throw his, his toys out of the pram. And I played for the Highlanders or I was an Irish international once and I'm reduced to this. You know, he, he was ultra professional. and. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I, I'll speak for yourself, but we, we obviously, and all of us in Blues Talk, wish him, the, and all I know Leinster fans, wish him the very best for himself and his wife and his two kids, the very very best for his future when they when they move back to the farm in New Zealand. Yeah, he was, he's been a great servant. Yeah. Great player. So, uh, um, we, you know, talking of tight heads, and I mentioned them earlier, like for, I'm still concerned that Furlong's, contract hasn't been sorted out um i thought it would have been you know we got all of the leinster ones out of the way last week and we're now kind of hitting end of april and tigs still not signed up i'm sure it will be but i'm just just want it to be done and dusted yeah. and you know so yeah, i don't i don't like it i don't like it when these things drag on because the more the longer it takes the more opportunity is for a better bid yeah, well, like, I mean, just you don't want, it's like sort of um, sharks with uh, blood in the water, isn't it? You know, yeah, and they go, yeah. you, I don't know, I'm just, let's say, Racing Metro or just thinking, oh, there's, a re- maybe if we offer him a million a year, would he come to us? Don't want that to happen, clearly. Um, the, thing about, the thing about Furlong is he's a very, he'd be a very attractive player to a wide variety of clubs. Because he's not just a scrummaging prop, and he's not just a ball playing prop. He's actually he can do both with equal fa- uh, facility. Mm. And the fact that he's so bloody good, you know, he's got a very high profile. Played for the yeah. Lions, obviously, you know, and then even his little cameos playing for Ireland and Six Nations this year. Yeah. Little, 
you know, or even shrugging off the Kiwis that game that time that he kind of just threw three a, of them off him. Sort of a macho man, Randy Savage, body check, and followed up by a little um, Ty Canelli fast shoe shuffle to beat people. Like, you know, he's kind of well known, and you just want him signed up and yeah. give him a three year deal. And get, he's, he's get, a sign you down. Yeah. But like, I hope the IRFU have learned from their lesson of whatever seven years ago with Sexton. Give your best player the biggest contract and get on with it. And stop haggling over, you know, you know, a few grand. Like yeah. I, I appreciate that the money isn't as fluulock, but it would be a done. pretty big kick in the nads if your highest profile player doesn't resign because they've signed everyone else. And it's it, you know, like it, anyone who it, was looking for a deal. It's a tricky position because the tight head prop. I mean, after 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 out halves and scrum halves, or after out halves and, and scrum halves, I mean, tight head props are some of the highest paid players in world rugby, um, because good yeah. ones are so rare. If I only mean, I had have known that, Dave. Yeah, you might have practiced I, a bit I more. I would have kept going. Yeah, less time in the pub, more time on the pitch. Um, but yeah, yeah no, he, so I mean, might have helped. I mean, might have helped. That, that that's it. You know, he's um. I'm sure he knows what his value is, and I'm sure he wants. Even even in these times, I'm sure he knows what his value is, and I'm sure he wants to. He wants to achieve it. And if he doesn't, I guarantee you, there's plenty out there that will. Yeah, yeah. But look at. I mean, we don't know what what either team is going to be, and we don't know how. I mean, like from a Leinster point of view, you've got to say. It's it's kind of nearly the ideal fixture that they want. They want someone who's going to be gunning for them. We don't want any any injuries, clearly, but like this has got to be a better fixture where we can, if we lose, it's not the end of the world. You know, even less so than in a Pro 12 game, because really, if you win the or if you lose the Rainbow Cup, I don't think the coaches are going to be sacked. Well, but see, it's it, it gives it gives us an opportunity to. Bring some players back that have been out. Showcase, like from, from their point of view, showcase their, like for instance, Darius, you know, like it wasn't that long ago we were saying, God, Darius could be on the Lions team the way yeah. he's playing. And then he gets injured. Then his replacement, Conan, comes in, plays brilliantly. And you're kind of going, well, he yeah, could be I on the Lions team. risk Darius if he's a, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I'm still not going to risk Darius in a, in a Heineken Cup semi-final, I mean, he's only played, you know, a few minutes against Monster in that game. Like, so he's probably going and saying, actually, I'm ready to rock and bring it on, which is great for him. And, and the great thing is, because it's a game against Monster, and the right, all, all, all that goes with that is uh, every player on, each, on, on both teams will be well fired up for it. But at the end of the day, if... if, 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 if if, if Leinster lose, the players won't spend all Sunday in bed crying mm, but because see, of the I, nature of the competition. Yeah, and but like our two kind of, two two very important, well, I know that all the players are important, but two particular players who are very important to us are Sexton, who I don't think will play. They're kind of hinting at his, not hit, 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 giving him time to recuperate. Yeah, I don't think he'll play either. And uh, um, James Lowe, and I'm not sure about James Lowe, but 
in previous matches when Leinster have played, they've seemed to got a reaction from both those lads um, to wind them up. And I don't want more than, 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 than yeah, no, okay, fine, but I, I don't want to be in a situation where James Lowe gets a bloody red card, which are you know, they're far more commonplace than they were, oh, yeah, five years ago, right? And I don't want, I'd hate to see a situation, you know, where the likelihood based on our last couple of big games and selections for those, for those, for the for the round of 16 and the quarterfinal, James Lowe was was on, was starting on the wing. And I don't want a situation where if if Cullen has penciled in his team for next week and he's got James Lowe down to start to play at 14 and also play against Munster and let's say Conway decides to give a bit of retribution and there's a bit of a digging match and all of a sudden, you know, Lowe yeah. decides to retaliate and he's he gets a red card and, and out for three weeks. And I, I, I don't think, I, I mean, he got that red card that time, but that was one of those, you know, uh, um, one of those ones where the ref was like, well, it wasn't on purpose, but I've got no choice. I have to send you off. And yeah. that, so that could happen, but that could happen to anyone. That's That wasn't a James Lowe thing. What James Lowe does annoy them immensely. Mm. Um, but he does it by, you know, being better than them. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget, like, whatever about the players, he also annoys their fans because yeah. he ultimately takes a position that they think that they've got equally good, if not better, players. Like they, you know, back years ago, they couldn't really have a go because their centres were A, not Irish qualified, and B, were never as good as O'Driscoll and Darcy. But when it came to a guy, it was, and it was a 50-50 decision, you know, when you're talking about whether it's going back to you know, Reggie yeah, Corrigan. Yeah, Dempsey and Champagne. There you go, right? Or no, I'm talking more someone that's going to be competing in an Irish in an, in a, for two Irish spots. So well, they, you know, they, they were competing. Remember, Champagne was he was very unfortunate. I mean, he was. We talk okay. about we talk we talk but about. I didn't Michael think ben. he was qualified. Oh no, he was Irish. He was he he, he was, was he? Okay. he was Irish. Not, he was Irish by citizenship. Um, right. Okay. He yeah. um he was he was you know the third best fullback in Ireland. Uh, yeah, um, the two in front of him were Gervin Dempsey and Jordan Murphy. I mean, we, he was the Michael Bent of the fullback world, if you like. Um, okay. But they couldn't understand how 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 Sean pay, how how they picked Gervin Dempsey and Jordan Murphy ahead of Sean. No, but I, I was actually more thinking of say I remember back in the that foot and mouth match against Scotland in '01, Easterby, um, where where Easterby came in in place of Stringer. And there was a character assassination job done on Easterby because how dare somebody who would be say 50-50 with Stringer could possibly get his position. Mm. And um, you know, and then like, you could look at so someone like Reggie Carrigan versus Marcus Horn, or you know, God forbid, somebody take Axel Foley's position at number eight, whether it was uh, Victor Costello or so, you know, and in um like they never were given full credit of how good the Leinster players were because they dared had the temerity to take the position of a, a, a Munster legend. And yeah, the, the, it, the it's, Mon- it's the same, it's the same with Lowe that James Lowe comes in and he's, you know, he's not good enough and immediately has one bad game uh, for Ireland. He's not good enough, not good at that standard. So the alternative, 
bring in the Munster lad Conway or bring the Munster lad Earls back into the team there because um, you know your your Leinster lads not that not that up up to speed. The, 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 there are a certain amount of mental gymnastics involved in being um, a Munster fan sometimes because you want the Irish team to be both comprised entirely of Munster players whilst having no Munster players on it. <laughs> You know, that's, that's, you want those two things at the same time because mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want your players going away and getting hurt, and at the same time, you don't want anyone else playing for Ireland. Yeah, well, we've all heard the shouts of "Come on, Munster!" during an Ireland match, so it always surprises me. I think that might be just because they're confused, Jay. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, there's just I just want to just talk about the Ulster Connacht match. Like, um, some interesting selections for Ulster. Stockdale's back at 15, which I think is interesting. Uh, good news that Ian Henderson's back in the second row. Yeah. And even better news is Will Addison. I think he's a super player. Yeah. Blighted by injury. He, believe it or not, hasn't played since January 2020. So it's 15 months. Is it really that long since he's played? Yeah, 15 months since he's wow. laced up his boots. So he's on the bench. So it's, I'm delighted to hear about him. But um, I also heard that Jack McGrath, like, I, I didn't know what was happening with him. I, I honestly just didn't know. I was hoping everything was okay in all respects with him. But he actually has the same injury that Sean O'Brien has, that he's getting his hip resurfaced. Oh. Yeah. So that, ouch. Yeah. So he's yeah, saying, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very debilitating injury. Very debilitating. Yeah. So that's like uh, Andy Murray had that, and he was yeah. I, I like both O'Brien and, and Murray were on the verge of retirement. But yeah, very close look, to it. Luckily, and an, extraordinary, it, and an extraordinary discomfort as well. I'd imagine. Yeah. So that's what Jack has in store for him over the summer. So he'll be the long road back for him now. Yeah. Um, and it's one other explains one a lot, about, It explains how a Lions prop. Fell off the radar at a, you know, a top middle Pro 14 club. Yeah. You know, because it, it has been one of the great mysteries of the last two or three years is what the bloody has happened to Jack McGrath. Um, that kind yeah. of injury would explain it. But it's not something that happens yeah. overnight. That's a that's a, a gradual development. It is. It is. But uh, like, at least it's it's been diagnosed and there's a plan of attack yeah. on how to treat it. So hopefully, you know, he, he comes back better and stronger whenever he, re- whenever he returns. It's an interesting um, also team because they, they, they decided to drop, um, well, I don't know if they dropped or they injured, but he's been one of their better players this season. Perhaps one of the, perhaps one of their players this season is Michael Lowry, a fullback. Yeah. And he doesn't appear to be, excuse me, in the squad. And George oh, he's on the bench. Sorry, he's on the bench. But, um, you know, I suppose they feel he needs a rest, maybe. Maybe. And also, Jordy Murphy's not in the 23, which I was surprised by, too. Yeah. Considering that they've let Courtsia go back to South Africa um, prematurely or early. So, again, I'm guessing it's it's not dropped. I presume it's... um, Rotation and oh, yeah. Jordy's put like, in an awful lot of hard yards for them this year. And and I mean Ulster have obviously the excuse me semi final against Leicester to come next week in the excuse me in the Challenge Cup. So like they kind of have bigger fish to fry. Whereas it, 
I, I got the impression comics team was more of a, a mishmash of some experienced guys, but a little bit more youth as well in there. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 it's it's comic actually made a very good signing, by the way. Over the did you see that? Yeah, Mac Mac, Mac uh, Hansen. Yeah, yeah, that's a good signing. He's a good player. I've seen him play a couple of times. Uh, he, he's Irish qualified apparently, which I didn't realize. It's quite a coup. Hmm. Yeah, there's a big Aussie uh, influence there now. They've got um, your man John Porsche and Ben O'Donnell in the back in the back line. Yeah, yeah. John Porsche has been a good signing for them. Yeah. Been very successful signing yeah. for them. Yeah, they just need to make sure that your man Papalihi is uh, is not either taking quick tap and goes or getting himself red carded. Yeah. Like he, I mean, but he's exciting to watch as well. It's he is, yeah. Well. That's, I mean, you never know what you get with him. Like, uh, it's uh, he's all action. He's all action. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> way to say it. Yeah, and actually, I was so I was just when I was going through and think, God, they've got a very big Aussie influence, as I mentioned. They also have a very, and I was looking, they've got a Matthew Burke on the bench, but he, he's not. He's not a. He's not the Matthew Burke, and he's not. <laughs> He's not a back, he's a front rower. So um it's <laughs> the ultimate it's not, Aussie. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not it's not the same as um as as uh, the, the legend Matt Burks. But well, like Timmy Horn. Yeah. Did, yeah, did, so did like senior horn have any kids knocking around. I mean I don't know. <laughs> Probably did. They could get him into the squad. Yeah, could do. So um like obviously the the other the other uh, Rainbow Cup matches are going to be made up of mixtures of Welsh derbies and uh, Scott Italian games, so they'll be um, you know a pretty much more of the same. And like I can understand you know the kind of the it's it's kind of uh, quite repetitive of what we've already seen. So it's, I can take Rory O'Connor's point that it's not very stimulating, but if the so obviously, if the South African teams had been in it, it would have been very interesting. Sadly, they're not. But like, we look forward to them next year or next season, and hopefully, when we're. I mean, it was good to see that Leinster have launched the season tickets, which means that yeah, they must yeah. be. Check, check your check your junk mail folders, folks, because the, the yeah. email is out today. Yeah. So, um, like I, I don't like I know we we we've probably spoke about it, but. They did want to get government approval of allowing 2,000 people in if they were tested. I don't know how far down the road that is, but at least it's been offered to the government. Might be. Yeah, apparently they haven't got back, but I mean, I, I don't think the government were going to get back by return of mail anyway. It's, it's something that's going to have to go through a, yeah, but a, like number, of, a number of hoops. With 600 cases today, I yeah. just I don't. I'm guessing their priority isn't going to be that. But. Yeah, they're probably quite busy. Yeah, they might be. They <laughs> might be. Um, we we kind of touched on it last week, Dave, and we kind of had we kind of ran out of time, and we said we returned to it. Now, I just I noticed there was a few people had had commented in, uh, on Leinster fans about it, so maybe it kind of st- simulated a little bit of thought in other people's mind. But we just wanted to touch on something we don't really talk about very often was the, the women's game. And, you know, it was interesting seeing it last week that there was, you know, 
there was a lot of hype about it in the lead up to it. There was no other Irish um, rugby matches on except the ladies' game, and um, sadly, like they they underperformed against France. But obviously, France are a very very good side. But I'd say, and um, I'd say, if you spoke to any woman that was playing, they'd say that they let not they let themselves down, but I'm sure they could have done a lot. They would have felt they could have done it and played a lot better. But be like, very unhappy with their discipline. They conceded an awful lot of penalties. Um, yeah, which, which they did the week previously as well. So it's something that they they probably would have worked on, and they did, and they, they they'd be unhappy to not fix. I mean, I, I, a lot of the estimation out there in the general public, not necessarily in people who watch rugby, but the general public is okay. Um, Ireland and France are pretty much ranked the same in world rugby. So in, in the men's game, so in the women's game, they're probably about the same as well, and they aren't. Um, this is this is a new Ireland team. It's been rebuilding under a new coach since the since the debacle of 2017. Um, so Ireland have slipped down the world rankings. France are quite close to the world top of the world rankings. And the biggest difference of all, the biggest difference of all, is that Ireland are amateur are an amateur team, and France are a professional team, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, it, it makes a massive difference on on a Monday morning when. When Linda Dugang has to go in and, and, and put on her scrubs and work in a hospital, when Claire Malloy has to put on her scrubs and work in a hospital, and then when the French players go and get into the ice baths and get ready for a video session, you know it does it does make a huge difference. Um, but one thing, one interesting thing that came out of the, the 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 conversation was how best to utilize or how best to promote the women's game um, in terms of the international team, and is it. Does the, does the women's team get value out of being tied to men's team competitions and men's team's competitions um, uh, patterns? Or would they be better off with the, with, the, with, this, with the women's primary women's tournament been different to, than the primary men's tournament? And the answer is probably a bit of both because I'm looking at the world, I'm, look, I'm actually looking at the world, women's world rankings right now. And there are teams in the women's world, top 10 of the women's world rankings that aren't, I mean, all six nations teams are in the top 10 of the men's world rankings, but there are teams and, and, and there's always talk about expanding the six nations, bringing your Georgias or your Spains or whatever, but Spain are actually in the top 10 in the world's rankings, the, the, in, in, in the world rankings, they're ranked nine, nine in the world rankings, Canada are in the world rankings, uh, top 10 in the world rankings, USA are in the top 10 of the world rankings. So there's an opportunity to do two things. First of all, the Six Nations is the biggest rugby tournament in the world. It provides opportunity and exposure and interest that you're not going to get in a standalone tournament. At the same time, there's no reason why the Six Nations that participate in the women's tournament have to be the same Six Nations as in the men's tournament or even limited to Six Nations. The women's primary tournament could start before the men's tournament, finish after it, take advantage of the... Uh, opportunities the men's tournament provides to them in terms of exposure and blah, 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 by, by, by doubling up the game. So Ireland play Italy in the men, Ireland play Italy in the women, you know, and then, but you could also play Spain. You could also play Canada. You could also play USA, uh, the Northern hemisphere, if you like, um, women's teams in the top 10 and, and expand the tournament and make it its own thing. Yeah. Well, like so both. Uh, I, I think though, like, we saw what happened when when there was uh, when Ireland played Wales the weekend that Leinster played Exeter, and the, it was probably a 
20 minutes, half an hour, where there was, where the two matches didn't clash. Yeah. And I've no doubt that there was a huge number of people who were ready to watch the Leinster-Exeter game, flicked onto the women's game, watched it for 15 minutes, saw this Ireland were, you know, doing pretty well, winning comfortably, and flicked, o- flicked over to Leinster-Exeter. Um, but I wonder if you had have had a, a, a reversal of that. I don't think there would have been too many people that will say, oh, I'll watch the first few minutes of the Leinster match and then I'll flick over to the ladies match. So, you know, I, I personally think that you have this enormous um, world, the, so the biggest rugby competition in world rugby. Why, why not utilize all of the marketing of it? Like, I don't know whether it still goes on, but certainly when I played, there was lots of other, like they're not, they don't get any notoriety, but you know, the, the army, the Irish army play against the, um, the French, or they used to. The, you know, there was like student, not on the- Play against one another. What's that? The Doyle rugby team plays against the- Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So, so like there, there's kind of- There's a massive promotional and- it, Yeah. So, uh, and it's kind of like a, a festival of rugby, the Six, yeah. Na- the Six Nations is. And if Ireland are playing England, like I guarantee you there's, you know, there's the Irish students probably play, they did in my day anyway, the Irish students played the English students and the, so it wasn't just the under 20s and the, the women and, you know, that the, the ones that are on telly, there's, you know, a, a myriad of, of other sporting teams. So it's like, why not be involved in that? And, you know, like they do get their slot on, on TV, yeah. you know, um, and like we saw sort of when you've got a, when you've got a floating voter of a, of a TV viewer, you know, like it's grand if you if you go out and you say, well, I'm going to go and watch Old Belvedere against uh, UL Bowes ladies team this weekend. That's fair play. I wouldn't think there's I wouldn't think there's more than a few hundred of those. Um, but there's a few hundred thousand that are watching rugby on telly. And if you've got them for, say, well, there's no other match on, I'll watch the ladies' game. You might actually win a few people over. Yeah, I but, mean, well, I, I, I'm always convinced that anyone who watches that women's team will will follow it because, uh, just because of the nature of the players involved and the effort that goes into it, it, it does remind me an awful lot of, you know, the game went before it became, I, I mean, we haven't reached Super League ele- uh, levels yet, but I mean, there's, there's there's more of a purity to the women's game in, in, in many ways than there is to the men's game. Um, but if you've got, I mean, you've got a Six Nations weekend, that's three, you've got a Friday night, Saturday and a Sunday for fixtures. Um, and you've got three teams. You've got the under 20, you've got the men's under 20s, the women's Six Nations, the women's senior uh, national team and the men's senior national team. So you, you've got three days. Each team can only play on one day. So what, what that means is you can put all those three, you can put those three games on. Um, yeah, and yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and and cover them and cover them in full. Um, mm. What I'd like to see is an accompany. And it's look, there's a million other things wrong with with, with the structure of women's rugby. Uh, the papers are full well, of it. Uh, but I'd love, but like, I'd, I'd love to see a women's under twenties tournament. Yeah, but like I mean, as you know, Dave, and I probably said it a couple of times on here. I'm involved with 
were coaching my daughter's team. And like we started off three years ago down in Kumine. And we had like some days we had six, like there's a picture on our coaches WhatsApp group of our first session. And there was like six kids there. And, you know, well, say this time last year, we had, I think there was 120 down training. And do you get a bump? Do you get a bump after the Six Nations? No, we, our biggest bump was we got it, is the thing, it's like there's the IRFU and well, Leinster Rugby and slash the IRFU have been fantastic for us. Don't know what they do in other clubs, but I can only talk about us in Kumine. They, they select a certain number of clubs to um, participate in a, a program called Give It a Try. And they, um, so we did it, we ran it. Um, so when would it have been? It would have been the summer of 2019 would have been the first time that we did it. And we got huge numbers then. We did it on Monday nights. We kind of scouted around the kind of catchment area. GA was played on a different day. There was soccer was played on a different day. So there was this little opportunity for us to go Monday nights. Right? And we, when we had our original training sessions with six kids, that was on a Saturday afternoon. So, you know, there was other sports, there was other commitments. Parents were bringing the kids swimming, horse riding, family time, whatever. Anyway, we changed to Mondays, got huge numbers down. Now we did a lot of publicity, Somebody in the club works for Google. He gave us, they gave us free um, advertising with in Google a few hundred quid every month. They were putting local ads out in on Google with that. So anyway, by hook or by crook, we got great numbers down. Kids wearing soccer jerseys, rugby jerseys, uh, GA jerseys, um, all willing to, for comments, give it a go. Try to make it fun for them, want them to come back. You know, we all sort of, stress the uh, emphasis on on having having fun because you really you're kind of successful if the kids come back whether it's next session or the next season and um you know but you're trying to get the kids and you're trying to teach them basic skills and i think like looking at say from from our kids that we're coaching to say the, the national team only three kids only sorry, three Three of those women had played um, minis rugby. So the skills that you, I, and probably most of the people who are, are watching or listening to this, when we started playing rugby as, as children, we instinctively learned how to pass the ball, kick the ball, catch the ball, how to make a tackle, where to stand, where not to stand, where to, you know, where to be in a certain position or in a certain um, moment in time in the game, you know, where to drop back or to go up in a line. And you, these become instinctive to you. But it's very hard when you say to somebody who's used to playing basketball, GAA, soccer, athletics or swimming or whatever, their ba- whatever the background of the individual w- person or woman is, you've got to think differently now and you've got to think like a rugby player. It's so hard to train. Like you could be the best athlete in the world. You could run, you know, 11 seconds for hundred meters or lift 200 kilo, whatever, you know, but it's all of the mental skills that you've learned as a player 
that you've learned because of your 10,000 hours of doing it from when you're 8, 10, 12, 14. And it's, I think that's the biggest deficit. It's the skills deficit. And it's not, it's the soft skills. It's, it's knowing where to instinctive skills, instinctive skills. It's like, we can all, we can teach any person how to scrummage, how to lift and line out, how to rock, how to mop. But it's just knowing where to stand in certain situations, how to read the game, because you've seen it. You can, your brain is the biggest and fastest computer that there is. And it can instinctively go back, you know, 15 years ago to a match you would have played as a kid and remember this situation and then slot in and say that happened and it's going to happen again. And I'm going to, and you look at some of the best players like, like O'Driscoll or you mentioned uh, Gervin Dempsey. How, how many times did the ball bounce on Gervin Dempsey? You could probably count them in one hand because he knew where that ball was going to be kicked and inevitably he was underneath it. And like you can't coach that. That is something that you learn over playing the game for, you know, 10, 15 years before you get. And like, you know, I, I, again, I think I, I mentioned this. Um, you know, we've Loressa Muldoon in, in, uh, has been fantastic for us in Coolmine. Um, she's the Leinster uh, Rugby Development Officer in our area, and she's been nothing but brilliant. And the enthusiasm and the kids love her coming down. She brings down internationals. She brought down Lindsay Pete just before the last lockdown in whenever it was October, November. I can't remember so long ago. But Lindsay Pete came down and, you know, I said it to my wife, like, if she, and it probably sounds very sexist, but if she was a man, she would be the most famous sports man in this country to have played, to won All-Irelands for Dublin, to have played international soccer, international basketball, and to play international rugby. She would be, like, she'd be, like, more famous than David Beckham. Mm. Like, she would. But... Like, and it's amazing that she's still going on at 40, whatever, one or 40 or 41 years of age. But the thing is that, like, she'd only played a handful of games before she got an international cap. And she was learning on the hoof. And, and I, I, I would still suggest that she hasn't played enough matches, even though she's probably been playing for five years, that she hasn't probably played enough rugby matches to fully know where to stand, where to go in in certain situations because this thing is not it's intuitive it's yeah you just know it Sorry, yeah. I was for ages there. Lindsay, Lindsay gets through on a just on a sh- on you know sheer amounts of natural talent um it's it, it's interesting because I mean there, there are there are people talking about quick fixes for Irish rugby um for Irish women's rugby um and, and yes the structures have to be in place absolutely 100% agree with that but the the only uh, if you like uh, re- uh, long term fix that's going to work is like you say when kids pick up a ball at the age of 6, 7, 8, 9 and then play the game for, for, for 10 or 15 years before they reach the, the highest level because it's like you say it's the 10,000 hours yeah but like there's, there's other we're, clubs we're not quite there yet we're, we're, only no. seeing, we're only seeing the first few players like you say three or four players yeah. coming through who have that but it, that, that'll need to be 
you know, we will only be successful when it's there's only three players that came from a GA or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basketball background, and the other 20 of the 23 yeah. have played rug- rugby from when they were kids. But like it, the, the, the encouraging thing is that, say, like we started ours um, three years ago. There's other clubs are doing great work. Like, you know, we play them fairly well. We did, obviously, up until lockdown. But, you know, there was the Setonians, Barnhalls, Clontarf. They were all in our kind of same North Metro area that we were all kind of in cahoots with that, like, but say a team or a club like Greystones were way ahead of the march. They were, they have an unbelievable amount of, uh, I was going to say girls or women involved in their, in their um, club far more than that. And like, they've got sort of all age groups. So they're, they're that little bit more advanced than, um, than us. Now we want to get to be them and eventually, you know, have a team that will go in to play, whether it's Metro or, or, but you, you're right. You need, kind of to have an under 10s 12s 14s 16s 18s 20s but we're for it to to really have enough um women to choose from you need more clubs doing it now they are starting to do it but they're only at the infancy stages so i suppose the other alternative is to get them from other sports but then you're always going to be in the situation we currently are now where there's the skills deficit and there's that intuit like as i said you know we've got all of the everything can be coached and if you and if you if you want to throw money at them and say well you can be coached longer that's grand but yeah like i i personally think if you've got a if the rfu said we've got a million quid so we can either pay the 20 or call it 30 30 women in the national squad and pay them a salary a good enough salary but you know if someone said like claire malloy is a doctor right so she's going to be on, on on a pretty good salary She's going to have to be, she's not going to go, she's not going to leave her job for 40 grand. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Now, 40 grand might be attractive to someone coming out of college. It's the other thing, you can't build a pyramid from the top down. Yeah. You know, um, but the other thing is what, what, what the IRFU have to do, and I presume that they, I mean, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to side with Rory O'Connor or any of the others who are going to complain. What the IRFU have to do, and I presume that's the plan to do, is when those kids, who've who've started in the minis and have reached under 16s, under 18s, whatever level, there has to be a structure, a competitive adult structure for them to go into. Whether that's Metro, Leinster Senior League, uh, All-Ireland League, that has to be sorted. That has to be ready for them to go into so that their progression can continue without, you know, kind of getting to the age of 19 and going, well, there's nothing really for me to play in now until I'm, you know, in my 20s. What am I going to do? No, ah, well. What's that you say? Football. You know, that's yeah. well, that, like that's also, happening. but don't forget, like, there is also an enormous drop off of young girls in sports. Oh, yeah, like they, like they hit kind of 14, 16, and they're like they're allergic to sports. Yeah, and, it's every sport, yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what shape the, the ball is, they're just they don't want to be involved in it. So, like, for me, getting my daughter involved, and that was what I wanted to kind of counteract was that she was exposed to rugby and I don't care if she plays I don't care if she turns around and says that 
I'd, I don't, I'd rather play basketball, but fine. I'll be the most enthusiastic basketball supporter with her. But I wanted to give her the opportunity. There was none. And I said, well, like, let's try and sort it out in our club. And, you know, like she's enjoys, she enjoys it when she's down there. I'm sure there's going to be pushback, but like that's, but, you know, Does, like, that's if you don't mind me asking does it does Kumine or indeed any of the clubs have a specific retention policy or retention plan for that if you like that that uh 14 to 16 uh drop off well we want we want to get sort of like the shotgun effect you know that's we know there's going to be just if you throw a load of them on it someone stick and someone will go yeah. and like that's really all we can do you can't you can't force someone's arm and say you're going to play, and no, you want no, no, you no. want them to be down in the club. But you want, you want like, them to be down there because they enjoy it. And, uh, exactly, exactly. But like you know, like if you say from from a Leinster point of view, the pathway for the men's is through the schools, right? And there's schools that have been playing rugby for a hundred years, and you know they produce brilliant, um, ready to ready to ready to go professional rugby players into the Leinster Academy. But sadly, like, there's a lot of those guys. I mean, for every one player that goes to St. Michael's and comes out the other end and joins the Leinster Academy, there's probably 20, 30, 40 lads that have been playing that just stop and go, well, I'm not even playing. I have no interest. I've played Senior Cup and, like, it just was too much, too intense, too, and I'm done. And I don't want to play when I go to university or I don't want to join my local rugby club and that's them done and they don't play and like you know you when i when i played or when you played played you probably played with fellas who were 20 years older than you like they were 40 year olds knocking around to 20 year olds because they loved it so much i think those days are gone like there's no 40 year olds there's hardly anyone who's you know mid 20s still playing so I, like I'm that i was talking to a guy he says that he, he reckons that the that the seniors like the wildebeest or or whatever, he yeah. reckons that they're gonna to have to start at thirty. Yeah, yeah, you, you know? know that's the way it is. Um, but like, the, the, but, here, here's a question: We talk about we may as well talk about the parallels. I mean, obviously, Leinster have the schools set the schools uh, progression pathway. Sorry, sorry, I was just gonna I was just gonna finish my point then go back. But there's no there's no schools playing rugby like you might guess like say my kids in my cycle. So that's, that's actually the question I was gonna ask. Okay, so on yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, say St. Bridget's GA, now when she was in the primary school there, St. Bridget's GA will come in and they would do kind of a demo one hour a week and they'd play, they'd get skills of catching and kicking and passing um, for GA. And, you know, there was talk of the, of the Leinster development officers going into the schools, and but it's kind of like a demo. It's part of their sort of their PE you know, it's kind of rather more than anything. Yeah, so it's not really um, like what what you would um, think of 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 a, of a say a extracurricular as it was when I was in school. That you, you know, you might I don't know do press ups or whatever in a PE class, but on a Wednesday afternoon you went out and you played. You you all. You were like a, a swarm of bees around a honey pot, and you swarmed here, there, and yonder, following a rugby ball around. Or I'm sure there was other fellas playing, you know, GA or soccer or, or tennis or cricket, or whatever they were into. They were playing, 
but for us it was you know learning the when you were sort of nine years of age learning how to play rugby very at a very sort of you know infantile level but that kind of gave you the stepping stones to go up through as you got older to play you know um to play at the same infantile level just with hairier exactly. guys <laughs> exactly yeah so like you know but i mean like that school pathway isn't there for the girls so they have there has to be this, this clubs then need to take that over and like let's face it when we played 20 30 years ago there was far more people playing playing club rugby than there is now so there's opportunities for you know women's rugby to fill some of the void left by i mean you know you i saw something that blackrock have 150 playing members like jesus i mean that's not many playing members for one of the most we, famous clubs in the world one of the most famous yeah and whereas if you say well there's going to be another 50 let's say girls coming down or women coming down like surely they're only too happy to get a few more G&Ts at the bar after after a match or you know I remember I remember talking to Mark about that I remember there was the the the, the mooted um merger between Blackrock and the Kula. and Kula. Kula and I was I, I was talking to a guy from Blackrock Mark you know Mark he's he stands yeah. on the terrace there beside us yeah 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 and I, I say well, how many members do you guys have and he says well we've well we've 150 playing members I just how many the cooler have you went two thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you've got other, you've got GA clubs. Like I mean, you know, we're delighted with ourselves having you know a hundred and odd girls and great, great growth rate over the last couple of years. But it pales into insignificance when you see, and it's brilliant to see. But like, you know, from our local area, Bridget's or Castanock GA have literally hundreds of kids every weekend like and it's great that the kids are being catered for and but like personally i want our i want rugby to be the number one sport in this country that's my goal i don't think it'll ever happen but that's what i want it to be i want everyone to be talking every minute of every day about rugby and like no one to ever hear about soccer again or, or ga <laughs> but like that's what i want to happen but you know, and that's what, but I have a passion that I want to drive that. And like, if I get to, you know, as, um, to our club, having 100 kids rather than, than 10 kids playing with, uh, in the girls team, that's, that's what we're going to, you know, going to, going to try. And like next year, it's going to be 200 and the year after it's going to be 300. And we just get more coaches in. And I, if it means we're going to have a problem with the, the committee on where do we have the space that's a that's a, a great argument we're going to have, and if it means leasing the pitch or going to another pitch, so be it. We'll do it. But like that's our our goal you is go back up to the uh, back pitch in Kilmore Community School if you're exactly remember. exactly. But I mean, but like sorry, just going back back onto our little discussion on this, like so, if schools don't have it, the clubs have to come in. But they do. You're a hundred percent right. They do need like we kind of are just showing our kids how to train and how to play. And then the matches are kind of their blitzes. They're not really matches or, you know, proper league program or they're just kind of a festival. And at the end of it, there's, you know, everyone's kind of clapped off and then there's, you know, sandwiches and sweets up in the, for all of the kids. 
but they're blitzes and they're not really Okumine are playing against Bective this week or you know this week and next week we play against Setonians or whoever. Um so like that that does need to be put in place. But I think we just we're trying to we're trying to coach the kids the basics of the of the game. Like they don't know what an offside is. They don't know they know to pass the ball backwards. They they half know the referees don't. <laughs> well, true, true. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. But like, you know, we but like, you know, it comes down this like you get some you get some, I suppose like every sport, you get very enthusiastic ads, but they probably haven't a clue. You know, but they just they just want what's best for their daughter or their sons. And but they really don't have like I remember having this discussion let's say with, with another father who would have an interest in rugby but wouldn't have much much knowledge of it let's put like that and all he wants to do is ta- get the kids doing tackling that's all he wants to do and i'm like i want the kids to run away from the tackle i want them to run they're they're first of all that they're girls and therefore they're not as big and as strong and as powerful as boys so therefore let's use that and their evasiveness rather than crashing into each other so let's make let's train them the first thing that we want them to do is run into the gap where there's two defenders run to the gap instead of running straight into the person in front of them and to try and get this into his brain was you know it just and I don't think I still, I don't think I actually have convinced him. I think he, the first thing, what do we do? What do we do? We do some tackling practice. We would do some skills so that they know how to pass the ball. And when we throw a few balls up in the air and make sure they can catch it instead of like tackling, of course, is important, but like um, yeah, so you know, like sort of coaching is very important. But again, IRFU and particularly Leinster have been excellent, like they organized courses. There's seminars. There's loads of there's loads of of um, videos uh, available online. Like that, you know, if you're going, well, I got a, I've got a session today. How am I going? What am I going to do with the kids for an hour? You can go in. There's a huge number of videos that you can go in, and it'll give you a little like you've kind of you know them anyway in your mind from when you played or or, or listened to when training. But they kind of give you reminders and sort of, oh, you put them into grids and do this drill and grand. Now, there's, there could be 20 and you go, well, I'll use five of them. But they, they make them fun because at the end of the day, the kids are quite young and they can be, um, you know, they can kind of lose concentration. So they kind of make them fun and interesting. And, but it kind of gives them that they're still getting used to passing the ball behind them, that there's somebody on either side of them or you know, that there's someone coming towards them to so make a decision. You still get kids throwing the ball forward. But, you know, like when we were playing, it was like someone would shout at you, all right, give me 10 press-ups. Like you ran on the, on the coaching course that I was at. And he was like, that's the last thing you do. You don't want to make this training session um, that they don't enjoy it, that their arms are sore at the end of it. They want to make it fun because you've won if they come back next week. And that's, I suppose, you know. But like, um, I suppose we kind of we 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 rambled on there for a lot. But you know, it was it was a good chat. It was one worth having, Jay. 
Yeah, but like I was disappointed to see an interview with Adam Griggs in the Irish in the Irish Times yesterday, where he said he was asked about who was in charge of running the, the women's domestic game in rugby in Ireland. And his answer to Comiskey was, I couldn't tell you. Now, it turns out it's Colin McEntee, but it was it was sad to hear Adam Griggs didn't know that. Now, he's come out today and kind of clarified it and said, he kind of backtracked and said, oh, well, I was under pressure and I wasn't sure. And I didn't want to name one person when there's a few people who are all contributing. But, you know, it's it's sort of he should know. I would have thought he should have known that, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it was it was a, it was a, it was a poor, it was a poor situation. I mean, to a certain extent, I mean. Compared to a lot of our friends, Jay, you and I would have. Uh, a monumental interest in women's rugby, or right, compared to a lot of a lot of our peers yeah. and a lot of our friends who go to matches who probably never watched a women's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I couldn't have told you who was in charge of the Irish uh, of the domestic women's game in Ireland. In, our, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't have. Um, and I think that's that's you know on me um, as, a, as as a supposed rugby fan. But it's also on the it's also on the IRFE that the information isn't so easily out there for, for the women's game because it's still within the, the amateur game. It tends to be a bit more nebulous, harder to find that information out. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true too. And like, there's, you know, there's kind of, I suppose you can kind of get siloed a little bit, you know, he's just looking after he's under pressure. He's trying to coach. He's completely I'd say at this point in time, at this time of the year anyway. Yeah, and like you know, all he's concerned about is his day-to-day focus of coaching, you know, twenty-five or thirty athletes to to try. Like he's obviously coaching at the very, very highest level and trying to manage his coaching team around him. Um, but but like, it's hard. It's hard to kind of. It's hard to say what is the best option for the IRFU? Like you hear some people say, oh, if they go professional. I was interested to hear Neve Briggs kind of say, well, like she's a senior guard, you know, if she was still playing at international level, it would want to be a fair few. Understandably, I kind of mentioned about Claire Malloy, like just throwing money at it isn't going to be the problem. I would rather see them say, right, well, like there's some brilliant, like I said, I mentioned, I named Czech Loressa Muldoon and she's great and very enthusiastic and the kids love her and she always brings down Irish players, but they want more of them. You know, they want more. Resort. Yeah. Like I'd rather say, if they've got a million quid, get, Spend it at the bottom. Get, I don't know, get, get 20 Larissa Muldoons instead of paying 50, 50 grand to the, to the players now, because that's a short-term fix. That, that's, you know, million quid is gone, and and like yeah. you know, whoever is playing for Ireland today think, won't be there in in five years, or you know, most of them won't be there in five or, or ten years' time. So that money is kind of gone. Whereas if you get twenty development officers, the output that they will bring through all of the clubs in the country and going around schools and getting in and saying, you know, being able to sort of knock on the headmaster's door, headmistress's door, and say. We can get, you know, we can do this hour program with your kids. It'll supplement your PE. Um, and, you know, ideally, 
I don't think I can't see this. I can't see secondary schools becoming where we're going to play in this rugby competition, you know, like a junior cup, let's say. Yeah, it, 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 I, I just I can't see that happening. But but what you want to do is expose girls to to the skills in primary school, passing, kicking, cast, pa, passing, kicking, pa, passing, kicking, catching, and get them to, to those skills, and then in conjunction with a club in their locality, to have a facility that say right, if you really like this sport. We will make the introductions for you and bring you down and come down with a few friends and it's very welcoming on Monday nights or, or Tuesday nights, whatever night the club trains and you're under 14s, you're going to be, this is your new team now. And you get four girls down from, because they've enjoyed it in their school and they join that club and they, they stayed in it. You know, they play under 14s, under 15s, under 16s, all the way up. And there's structures in place that the, that club plays against another club on a Saturday in a some sort of league match. And they, you know, they do that every week for 20 weeks against other clubs. And eventually, you know, the standards will improve. And then you might even get a seconds team out of it or a thirds team out of it. But like we're still at the infancy stages where we're just trying to get women's rugby off the ground in a lot of clubs. It's far from, you know, been able to been able to say oh or yeah any of those women that were playing playing like the, um, the biggest accusation about Dublin like it was we're talking about Dublin GAA because they're kind of like the local behemoth and we see it in our area uh, is about it's not so much that Dublin have a huge amount of money it's that Dublin have a huge amount of money to spend on games promotion officers if you listen to any of the complaints about Dublin over the last since the since they won the the, the All Ireland it's a it's it, it's about how much money they have to spend on, on games promotion officers. And the games promotion officers are, are the Larissa Muldoons, and, 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 et cetera, of the, of the Gaelic games. Or, and we see it in our area. We see it with, with St. Bridget's and we see it with Castle Knock. I mean, mm. you go to any public park in Dublin 15 on a Saturday morning and it looks like like a like a, a, an explosion in an O'Neill's factory. There's so many kids running around the place playing. And, and that's where the money has to be spent. I, like, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You can't build a pyramid from the top. You have to build it from the bottom. And the best investment in 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 in, in sport, um, not I, I have no objection to the uh, international players receiving a stipend, a stipend or a bursary or or whatever. But the money has to go into it has to go into development officers and regional development officers and community development officers and making sure that guys like you, the volunteers in the clubs, making sure that they get the training, they get the access to the passport site, the World Rugby Passport site, and all that kind of stuff, so that. When in it, when you get a situation when you reach a critical mass, you have a bunch of players coming into the national team. We've all been playing rugby since they were six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you might be in a position to take the game professional. Then, yeah, well, like yeah, you know, but like um, yeah, I, I just I just was I was just laughing to myself saying, well, you could play these kind of that the, the upper echelon, but if they get injured, there's no one coming behind them. Yeah, you know, invest in the kids coming through now. And you will continue to have, and eventually you might get to the stage where there's um, a critical where, mass to play Exactly. And that there's, I mean, you know, it is the fastest growing sport in the world, is women's rugby, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, now I, it's probably some sort of statistic that is easily manipulated. I think, I think 
or claims that at one point or another. But I mean, if you look at right how long it took men's, and now obviously there was a whole cultural thing, but men's rugby didn't really go properly professional until, I mean, we know it went open in 95, but it wasn't really until, you know, 2000, mid 2000s, that the professional game, as we know, was, was an evolved thing. And that took, that's over 150 years, 200 years of rugby. So I'm not suggesting that the women's game should be made wait that long. And I would never suggest that. But I do think that if there's money to spend in Irish rugby on women's rugby, that the best place to spend it is at the base of the pyramid. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. And, um, you know... I I think we should have a stipend or a bursary for the senior internationals. Yeah, but like, again, I think we we need to be careful about that. Yeah, because they do need to be careful about that because... You know, there's certain players are go are on a very well, you know, like everyone are well paid, and the, it has to be like. I mean, you can kind of say like the IRFU went down the road of say making the sevens professional, but the sevens were predominantly made up of girls in their late teens, early twenties, and you know when a small salary is quite attractive. As you move through your twenties, that small salary becomes less and less attractive, and particularly the amount. Like it sounds amazing, going, "Oh, well, we're playing in the Rio Sevens this week, and we're in the Las Vegas Sevens next week, and then we're in Paris, and we're back over to wherever." Like that sounds a very sexy lifestyle, but you know, you're living in a hotel room, you're not really seeing much of the places, and you don't have a lot of cash to come when you come home from it, and all your peers are all their careers are starting to take off as they get a little bit older. It's, um, it, you know, it, I'd say that that sexiness would wear off very quickly, you know, after three or four years of it. But yeah. like we, we do see, say, just Stacey Flood and Amy Lee Murphy Crow um, have come into the team this week from the Sevens programme. And they've actually... Like you, uh, that girl, Amy Lee, has replaced um, one of the girls who's playing for sale. Like, so there's four girls, say, in the, in the squad who were playing over in England in the, say, uh, professionally. And they've dropped two of the professionals this week. They've dropped um, the, the winger and they've dropped Claire Malloy. So, you know... I thought that was quite interesting, particularly with that debate about paying the players to, to paying the players. To, I, like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be compensated, and but I would just say that if you've got a, a limited amount of money to spend, that money should be spent at the bottom rather than. I 100 yeah. percent agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think we've kind of we've probably about that for, for a little bit too long probably bored a lot of people with my coaching prowess um one coach that who's slightly better than me is Ronan Nogara he's um just a little bit um I don't mind saying it Dave I don't mind saying it no, well, if you're if you're comfortable he's, with it well I, he's he got a he has a bit of a jump start he's got a few more years just uh, ahead of that me, con but. thing, Jason. It's the court con. It's all politics. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Paid for con. But I see he's after getting. Uh... It's not political power to wanderers have in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> None at all. None at all. 
So he is uh, signed on for the three years at La Rochelle. So that's uh, that, that's such a great move for him because he will know nobody in Munster when he comes back yeah. or Ireland. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, and by, and, by the time that contract is up, Munster will have given Van Graan the toe end and the guy who comes in to actually fix all the stuff won't it, it'll still be two years so he can get all kind of stuff fixed and then O'Gara can come in yeah well so, no it is it is a good I mean he it, it's it's always really hard to step from one side of the white line to the other um yeah. and as you say by the time he comes back I, I mean I don't know if he will I mean, to a certain extent it is inevitable I think that he'll come back to coach once or but by the time he comes back there'll be nobody left that he played with yeah isn't it amazing that Mark McCall is never included in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, okay, like we, we've all got our views on Saracens because they were our biggest rival for a, couple, for a couple of years, right? But like he was the most successful Irish coach for freaking ages and he's never thought no. of as being a potential. And even, you know, the whole narrative is, oh, it's only a matter of time before Paddy and Raj, Polly and Raj come back to, to coach Ireland. Like, what about Leo Cullum? Look at the job he's done. You know? I'd say, I'd say Mark McCall, between coaching and playing, probably has more medals than Raj and Paul O'Connell combined. Yeah, could have done. And, he didn't, and, and, and Mark McCall didn't win too many playing. <laughs> but he would have won uh, two Celtic leagues, I think, as a player, wouldn't he? Well, certainly one. Not sure if two, but certainly one. Well, you know, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, like he, won, he, he, coach he, he did win a Heineken Cup medal. He was injured for the final. Remember? But he played in '99. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but like, and I think was he coaching in '06 uh, when they won it? Yeah. Yeah. When they won the Celtic League. When they won the Celtic League, he was yeah. coached then, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, he's never a part of the. Like, I was just, but I saw that John O'Gibbs has gone to Claremont, and I'm maybe I'm just trying to grasp at straws. I hope that kind of, would that have possibly have created a little bit of friction within the La Rochelle side? That <coughs> I don't think so. They're used to that in, in, in France. France, the, the, the movement between clubs is much more similar to, uh, football, to soccer than it is to movement between clubs in Ireland and England. It happens nice. much more regularly and for much... So I, I I don't think it would I don't think it would be something that would nod it on twice to be honest with you. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, anyway, Dave, I think we've spoken for long enough. Unless you've anything else. I thought we didn't have that John fella here. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here all night. <laughs> sure we would. Anyway, thanks very much. Thanks very much for watching. If you are, Actually, if, if John is watching this, um, he's probably in. Are the pubs open in, in Cardiff? So he's probably in the in the city arms now, isn't he? Probably. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No jerseys. He can't wear a jersey. No, he's not allowed to wear his Cardiff jersey. Either, yeah. Either his Cardiff rugby one or his Cardiff blues one. Absolutely. Well, anyway, boys, if you are um, following us Facebook, Twitter, or what's the other one? Watch it. Or YouTube. Please give us a subscription, a like, and a thumbs up. Thanks, a million. Cheers.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 